Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Kyle Serafin Show. Today, we are going to show you part two of our interview with Mickey Willis. We were talking about relationships and the permanence that can exist in a healthy marriage. I think you guys are going to really appreciate jumping back into this. And if you happen to be watching these back to back, if you watched part one and jumped right into part two, then you can just fast forward probably about two minutes and you'll see that we got through that. I want to give you guys a running start. Nothing like uh, doing a cold jump into a conversation that was already flowing, but I think you will have a logical progression and you'll really enjoy that. Before we do, let me say a quick thanks to my friends over at Catholic Vote. Please go to catholicvote.org. You can sign up for the loop right there. As you see, as you well know, put in your email address, put in your name, put in your zip code, get the loop in your email address. It costs you nothing. It will give you a lot of useful information. You will be smarter. You will be more informed. You will know more things about what is going on in this country if you get the loop. So check them out. And you can also check out our friends over at Patriot Coolers. Just a short say, it's in the show description. You click through the link or you use our promo code, Kyle, K-Y-L-E. That is the promo code. I use their Patriot Cooler tumblers every single day, literally every single day. My wife has one by her bed. And uh, right now we are in baby mode right now. So she is hydrating and using our Patriot Cooler. Check them out. Promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. And uh, you'll get 10% off if you spend 50 bucks. It's free shipping. It's a great deal. Check them out. A great company. Okay, without any further ado, our interview with my new friend, Mickey Willis. I think you're really going to enjoy this. Folks, here you go. I was married once before my, my current marriage, and, and it was interesting. We kind of fell into a pattern of kind of competing against each other. Hmm. Well, you did this. Well, I did that. Well, you did that. You know, it's this whole thing. Like, and There's scripture about it, this, you know? Yeah. The house divided will not stand. Yeah, that's right. When I got there, into there's my, a lot of truisms in there. <laughs> a lot of it. When I got into my current marriage, um, I learned from my first marriage, and I said one thing. And I just, my wife is just, she's just an extraordinary human being, so it makes it easier. She's taught me a lot. Um, but I said, let's never forget that we're on the same team. Above all, because when I tell you something that might sound like criticism, when you tell me something that might sound like criticism, if we can just remember it's because you love me and it's not because you're not happy with me, but it's because you see something that I can't see. Um, or I see something that maybe you can't see that um, a, a, a more effective way of behaving in our lives that might, that might actually serve us. We want the best for each other. We're not trying to win I don't want to win above you. I'm not competing against you. I want us to win. You know, it's a, it's, it's a cooperative sport we're playing. It's not a competitive sport. And if we can just remember that, then when that stuff comes up that, when, that could be offensive, if we can just remember, she's only saying this because she wants our lives to work. And that thing I do, that habit I do, isn't the most optimal way to live. You know, and it might be, you know, like, I think the last thing I brought up to my wife was I'm like, do you notice the pattern in our life where we clean up the whole house, get everything, we go through a whole weekend of just making everything clean, and then everything piles up, and then everything piles up, and then 
four weeks later, let's go through the whole cleaning again. Mm -hmm. And I said, wouldn't it be better if we just kind of cleaned up every day a little bit instead of the, taking a whole weekend out once or every month or three? And can we see how this actually reflects on our lives, right? Our taxes get all behind and then we spend a month trying to get all our taxes paid and caught up and everything falls behind again. I said, you see, this is kind of a pattern. How you do one thing is how you do a lot of things. This is a pattern in our lives. And, um, you know, are we willing to try something new? And that is just like set some rules and, and, and stick to them. You know, like if we say we have a shoe closet, every time you take off your shoes, put them in the damn closet, all of us. <laughs> Otherwise, one pair gets left out and someone goes, oh, that's a good spot for it today. Suddenly there's eight pair of shoes sitting there by the front door that we trip over. Yep. Like, do, do we recognize that that might seem like a mundane, meaningless little thing, but do we understand that by being aware of that pattern, that larger patterns in our life get taken care of, the more we're efficient with each little choice we make in our daily duties. And, you know, those conversations we can have as a team to, to optimize the experience of our lives. And if more couples worked together that way, instead of just feeling like we're, I'm just going to criticize you now, you, you stop doing this and stop doing that. Um, but again, you know, the same way I mentioned at the beginning of this is to teach, to work with each other, even as couples through what we want collectively, what we want instead of what I want, I want you to be this way. But look, if you're that way, it creates this circumstance and it moves us further away from our goal, which is being in love and continuing to fall in love. And, 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 you know, it's, we've been together 20 years and, you know, it's when I leave and I'll be you know, leaving uh, Saturday for event. And I guarantee you before I catch the plane, I'll be te texting her to tell her how much I miss her, mm -hmm. you know? And I never knew Kyle, that that was possible because my experience of relationships growing up was they're really exciting for a few months and then they get old. I never knew it was possible because I never saw my mom in a real relationship. I didn't know it was possible to continue to fall in love, but we have to, we have to apply some effort into generating that. What do you think the, uh, what do you think the motivating foundational principles are there? Cause I think a lot of people go in, this is something I've been starting to explore a little bit with folks, especially people that feel like their marriage is really good. Number one, there's nothing worse I see than people like criticizing their spouse or, or berating them negatively in front of their friends for a laugh. I just find that to be really off-putting. And I think that's really common, but there's something about the, the values that we are putting out there that we are teaching people how to date. And you've got boys that are about to be in the age where that's real. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that you guys have had this conversation. What values are you telling them? This is what you're looking for, for successful partnership, as opposed to the highs and lows and the, you know, fall in love and fall out. And then you get sick of them. Well, yeah, my, my 12 year old, we do have talks cause he's, you know, he's really, um, respectful. Um, and when it comes to girls, but you know, he's, he's, we've had some talks about, you know, no, oh, these girls are pretty and he's starting to become interested and sure. And he's, and he has a, a little girlfriend that they both talked and said they're too young. And so they just want to be friends, but they're incredible friends. The way their little partnership, you know, like they're making a, a anime comic book together now. So they get together and it's just full creative. They're learning Japanese together, you know, but they're just, they won't even tell each other that they like each other, you know, because right. they will independently, they'll tell their parents, but they're like, we know, but we don't want to get into that, cross that line because it's just, we're too young for that. 
Like they're both making that conscious decision. It's like, wow, that's incredible. Um, but what we have talked about is just being aware that um, I've had a lot of talks with my boys around porn. Okay. I think this um, is probably a, a, a pretty interesting topic to dig into. It's, I'm, it's, I'm it's, a long it's, ways away from that with mine, but maybe not as long as I think. Maybe not as long as you think. Um, at, uh, at seven years old, my wife's parents, we moved them across the street from us now, but they used to live in Vegas. Okay. And uh, my wife went and took my sons um, to see their grandparents. And um, they, uh, my little guy ended up in a hotel room um, with uh, access to stuff he shouldn't see. Sure. And uh, it was crushing for us to discover what our little guy had seen. And it's all over the place. And no matter how hard you try, um, we're finding, you know, we, we run a homeschool co-op. So we've had talks with a lot of intimate talks with families who are admitting that their six-year-old little girl has found porn, that their seven-year-old son. Um, and it is happening at a younger and younger age. And it's detrimental to them. It's detrimental to their relationships. So that sparked when we found out what he had seen. Um, and it was because was walking down the strip with family and there was all this, you know, stuff. And he was listening to the old, pe the, the older people talking about, God, everything is nude, 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 you know? And he got back to the hotel room and it just so happened that my wife had a protection on this iPad and he had just had educational stuff on there, but, um, it had just expired the protection mm -hmm. and my kid ended up saying out loud the word nude. And poof, and he ends up going down the rabbit hole. What? What? Oh my God. And he ends up telling us. And I had to go look at what he looked at. I went, oh my God, are you kidding me? What is the kind of damage is it going to do to this little kid's brain? Mm -hmm. um, and then there was something that got acted out between him and his little buddy and a, and a, and a, and a little girl who decided we've all done that as little kids, but they explored each other's bodies. And it turned into this thing that the parents had to get together and go, they're seven years old. Wow. You know, we thought we should wait till they're eight or nine or 10 or something like that. Right. Wow. Do you think you got time? You think you do. And, um, but almost every parent that we're involved with in our educational system have been shocked at how early it, it is available to kids now. When I was a kid, it was, you know, Playboy magazines. That's, that's the big deal. Right. If you and found them under somebody's bed or an older brother had them. Was, sure. Right? A box full of vintage Playboys. And that was in my, my, my tree fort when I was a kid. Right. And, um, which seems so innocent compared to what's out there now. So innocent, you know, if, so, that, if we could go back to that world. Huh? So we had to sit down and have some real talks about mm -hmm. it. We had to have some really real talks about, it. um, you know, and, uh, it, was, it was a blessing like everything else because it, my older son hadn't experienced anything. And so to him, it was like, what do you see? And what? And he was so innocent, you know, and, and he was hurt too, because he was afraid that, you know, little brother had saw something that might harm him, you know? And so it turned into this real intimate family discussion that lasted about three weeks of just let's, wow, I wasn't planning on having this one with you guys for a few years from now, but we're going to have this talk right now. And I'm going to, you know, let's, let's talk about this. And so we were able to talk about, you know, all the downsides of that, 
and what it did to me as a child being exposed to that kind of stuff, how I became obsessed with the physicality of a woman's body and would look past the essence of who that person was. And, and as a result, ended up in a lot of bad relationships with, with, you know, um, bad women with good bodies. And, yeah, a really and, toxic combination, it turns out. Yeah, really toxic. And there's a lot of them out there, a lot of yeah. men with good bodies and bad men. And, and yeah. But when you're looking at that, because it's, it's a visceral thing, it's just, a, it's just boobs. It's, hey, let's just, you want to, what is that stuff about? Then you're, you're, you're engaging into an attraction. Um, you're attracted to the things that, that matter only on a lower level. It's not, it's why that there's, you know, people get older and they're like, they dump their bride of 30 years or their husband of 30 years for something younger, just because that body aged and they're really, it's like being bonded by agreement. I'm, I'm, I married a body and that body had four kids and it's not in shape anymore. So I'm not attracted anymore. That's a shame. That's a shame yeah. because you could also see that body and, and the way that it's changed and look at it and, and have a deeper reverence and love because it changed because it brought you children. You know, like that's what that little body went I'm, through. I'm, I'm in the middle of this right now with a wife that's, uh, you know, almost nine months pregnant and there's yes. something really, it's something incredible. Uh, if you can incredible. see that, how incredible it is. Absolutely. And she still that's makes dinner. I mean, she still walks yeah. around and does incredible. like all of her regular things, but she's carrying like a little person that's in there yeah. kicking around. And and that is, that's a miracle. I mean, it really is. And it, so it, if it you is. can't appreciate that and what it takes yeah. to do that. It's it sad. really, it really instilled in me in a young age of like, I needed someone with a perfect body. I think a lot of us heard that. I, that was a seventies and eighties, maybe a nineties yeah. thing too, but it didn't, it doesn't make any sense once you know a little bit. No, you went perfect 10. What did perfect 10 really mean? Right. Back in the day, it was always perfect 10. Perfect 10 wasn't, you know, there was, personality wasn't. There's unlimited there. perfect 10s. It was just, how does she look? That's right. a perfect 10. So that, well, and, that's, and, that's your meter. <laughs> and this is something, I don't know if you've gotten into this with the boys yet, but this is something that kind of occurred to me as I talked to one of my buddies who's been married for 20 years now. So he got married much earlier than I did. And one of the things he said is he's like, you know, it's exciting to know that there's a, a female form that's naked and looks really great. But how much time do you spend without your clothes on in your regular life? How much, like, how can you do that in your regular life? It's a very, very small fraction of what's going on. Yeah. And so yeah. it should basically be about that much value in the greater picture as you evaluate, does this thing make sense? Do you get along with them? Do they share your goals? Yeah. Do they want to inspire your dreams? Do they want to support you? Anyway, this is this is yeah. nice to have enlightened There's, friends when you're kind of a dummy and you're out there running around in the world yeah, looking, going like, sure. hey, I don't make great decisions. Maybe someone who's figured this thing out has got something better going on. And and you know, I'll take wisdom wherever it comes. That was one of the things one of my buddies shared and I thought it was, it was meaningful. Yes. I'll share it with my boy. And there's a level of that attraction to good bodies that is intrinsic, that is natural. Sure. Because there's a, a you know, we're attracted to health. And when someone is in good shape, there's something attractive about that because they, they, it, it triggers a lot of things. It, it, it triggers that this is a healthy person. This is a person who must care about themselves enough to stay fit. And so there is, I think there's sometimes we cross the line where we get married and let ourselves go because it doesn't matter anymore. It does matter. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we, we call ourselves the CrossFit family. We all, the four of us do CrossFit together. And um, for my age, I'm in good shape. And for my wife's age, she's in fantastic shape. And so we still want to look good for each other. Just because we're married for life, there's nothing 
ever come between us and that's a guaranteed thing doesn't mean we're not still trying to impress each other and right. that, that never has to go away um, but when that becomes the the only scale through which you uh, find yourself attracted to another um, you will most likely end up in a lot of uh, bad relationships because you're you're actually looking past what's most important and that is who is that person and um and and so that these experiences have opened my kids up to um to explore that to um uh, i'm gonna be careful what i say here because i don't want any other parents to hear this <clears throat> i'll just say my son had the choice between a little girl that was stunningly gorgeous Mm -hmm. and one that was very cute. Yep. I know what you're talking about. And he, he is attracted to the very cute one because, because there's a connection there. They share the connection there and they're learning like, Japanese I, of all things. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, she's beautiful, but does she compare to this other little girl that was attracted to him? Um, I don't think any child does. This little girl was just like, you know, like, wow, she is so beautiful. Um, and this other little girl is, is a little more awkward going through her awkward teens. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and beautiful also, I don't want to take that away from her. She really is a beautiful girl, but, but not as poised and, and perfect as this other girl, but to watch my son kind of pivot from, I could probably, you know, attract her but I'm much more, I'm much more, you know, like cognitively attracted to this person. Like the, that we, it's their, their relationship is so, you know, creative, you know, and they have projects together. <clears throat> so they're bonding on that level and it's so healthy. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and so all these things that happen at an early age um, have led us to have these conversations that I probably wouldn't have had until you know, probably now with my 12 year old, but he got it much earlier because, and I'm so glad he did because it really set them up in their formative years to consider these things that a lot of people don't learn their entire lifetime of, of really what really matters, you know? And, and, uh, if you look at this porn stuff, you're going to be, you're going to speak so obsessed with body that you're going to miss what's really important. And that is that connection of spirit. When you have that with someone else, um, and I told him, I said, I lucked out with your mom because <laughs> I got both. Um, and that's possible too. Right. Um, but, but that's not what you should, um, that's not what you should, um, make your priority, you know, because it's about the essence of who people are and, and in every realm of just, they see, you know, they see me, I, I have a lot of, I, you know, I'm associated with a lot of people that are well-known and, and they'll be like, why aren't you like that person's cool. He's in a cool movies, a celebrity. And I'm like, I'd much rather hang out with someone who, who isn't a celebrity, you know, is that, that when I'm talking with them, they're not looking over my shoulder to see who's recognizing them or, you know, so there's a lot that comes with that. And I'd rather be with real people. You so remember I'm that movie instilling in them that it's about being real. You remember the movie swingers with Vince Vaughn, the early, you know, oh, yeah. and, and they sit, talked about going to parties in the Hills in LA where Vegas, the women are always baby. looking to, yeah, they're trying to find the one. So they should be talking to someone cooler than he was. You remember? That's right. And that's, and, right. And that's endemic in that culture. It turns it, out. To and, totally. 
Totally. It was one of those, one of those great, one of those great films that both poked fun at an industry and made a lot of people want to get into it at the same time. I know guys that were in high school with me wanted to be writers after watching that. And I was like, why they live in crappy apartments and they have no money, but, uh, but, but it's, it's so funny that that's how vapid the culture is. And we know it's bad. And you look at it and you go like, that looks terrible. And yet it attracts unlimited people to it still. Are all your podcasts this long? Are we still some, doing a podcast? Or are we yeah, just yeah, some not, some <laughs> we've gone long, we go short. It's just kind of, some people have a story. At some point, I kind of wanted to hear the story arc. And, and honestly, I was so interested in, in you as a human being and, and kind of the arc of it that I started watching your first uh, Plandemic one and I watched through and I don't know what I think about Dr. Judy other than I read some things about her. She seems reasonable. And so I took that for what it was. I kind of, it was short enough to digest it. And I go, okay, that's that's one thing. And then I started watching Indoctrination and I got a little bit in there and I went, there's, this is way more complicated than the first work. I think that's fair. Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. What's going on there? So I got into a little bit and I went, I'm going to back off because I want to see, I'd like to talk to you first before I actually went to go watch the rest of it. And uh, I haven't even touched the third one. I didn't even look it up. I didn't even open it up other than I saw the the picture of it and I didn't even open the trailer. And do we just lose him? <laughs> we'll cut yeah, back he's gone. He'll, uh... Yeah, there he is. There he's back. Is. All right, go ahead. There we go. Cool. We just lost you for a half, half second. So I, I saw that, like I said, that was that was my step in. I walked in about uh, waist deep into the water, and then I walked back out and go, I'm going to go find out whose pool this is. And and I'm I'm glad I did in many ways, because I'm, I'm very much enjoying what you have to say. I, I really appreciate this lens. So maybe you can tell people what the arc is, what you started out to tell, and if you ended up telling the story that you thought you would, as you went across those three, because they, they mm-hmm. are... A single work, right? I mean, that, that's the way to no, look at them. No, they're not. No, no. They're, they're, okay, they're, so the fact that they're a series is okay. Explain it. To yeah. Me. So uh, I recommend that everyone goes. They go directly to number three. Number three is the big picture of what's okay. going on in the world. And number one was simply a scientist who had worked under Anthony Fauci and had discovered the way that the lab was operating, how corrupt it was. And when she wouldn't be silent, they turned on her and made her life miserable, locked her up for five days, took every all the money she had, her cars, her boats, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she really wanted to expose the dirty game of science. And um, I mean, of course, to warn the world what was coming in terms of the COVID lockdowns. Number two was a reaction to number one in that we realized that because no one, I put a cash, I put $10,000 in an electronic escrow and, and invited anyone in the world to prove one major claim in pandemic one or two to be incorrect. And you could have my money and nobody could do it. It stayed up for six and a half months. Um, so we were really clear about the, the um, accuracy of the information. Um, but after the media came out and smeared it and smeared her, they couldn't, they couldn't, uh, you know, they had to just smear our characters because they couldn't call me a white supremacist. They couldn't, they couldn't um, say I was a racist because everything online I've done has been helping women and minorities and indigenous cultures and all of that. So they had to just attack our characters. Mm-hmm. And I realized, you know, how, how quick the um, global population is to believe the lying media, the thing that lies to them every single day. Um, they, were, they went from when Plandemic first came out, everyone was celebrating and saying it was wonderful. Then all of a sudden the media came out and said, no, no, don't listen to this guy. He's, he's a conspiracy theorist and grifter and he's doing this for fame and fortune. And even though I give all my movies away and have turned down millions of dollars for them. Um, and so Plandemic 2 was following the paper trail. It was showing you 
how all of these secrets are hidden within patents and that it's all about um, it's all about pushing patentable medicine forward and and hiding uh, the medicines that actually are safe and effective which are mostly uh, natural medicines uh, medicines that have been deemed quackery or uh, and if, and we expose within pandemic to uh, what we what is called Rockefeller medicine that John D Rockefeller uh, who was America's first billionaire and right. he was the tycoon of steel and oil when it was discovered that you can and that's make... about where I got to just so you know that's that's where I got up right. to I got the uh, the 80s uh, law which was the boil something or other is it the dull the, boil or the, 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 the by dole by dole act by dole act yep. um, okay that's yeah. where I got up to see it and then I watched which, the Rockefeller which piece. allowed doctors and scientists to to profit off their patents and that changed uh that changed medicine in a bad way um because then it became a game a game of uh, getting getting patents and hiding all the medicines that are actually effective so that your patented remedy um, would be the only one mandated and therefore you could make hundreds of millions of dollars on one medicine mm -hmm. uh, there's a big racket going on there and so um uh, pandemic two indoctrination follows uh, an expert who created technologies that are in tracking white collar crime since the late eighties. And, um, his photographic memory is a man who helped weave the uh, paper trail and sh to prove that Anthony Fauci is, was gaining gain, was, was funding gain of function research through the NIH, through the Wuhan lab to really trace it, to show what the world is just waking up to right now, that this was a man-made situation in a in a laboratory man-made and i'll tell you it was intentionally released it was not didn't escape a lab or get leaked out of a lab um this was a bioweapon and um, that there's a lot of evidence that proves that but it'll it'll be more evident as time rolls on um, this year and next year um and uh, it's hard for a lot of people to accept that their government would do that which i don't know why it's hard because we've if you know anything about history and false flags and how many wars have been started off of complete lies to get everyone to rally behind the lie so that we can go bomb a country or go and, you know, create a regime change or whatever it is. So remember the main. That's right. And, uh, and so, but people still are in denial about, you know, the length to which our government will go to um, gain total control over all nations. And so uh, pandemic three is about the big picture. It's what COVID was used to accelerate that has been in the works for decades, if not a hundred plus years. And it is, uh, no one has, uh, we only have one fact check that they, they, and that was a fact check about AZT saying, there's no proof that AZT killed hundreds of thousands of innocent people. Like I, like I say in the film, yes, there is proof. Um, but anyway, that's the only fact check. They won't touch the rest of it because they're, they, you know, it's right there. And we learned, we, we coined a style after pandemic one and you'll see it in pandemic two, where I realized people won't do their own research. Even if you tell them where to find it, they won't do it. They'll just listen to the media and move on with their day. Yep. So we zoom in on patents. We go really close. We make it nice and sexy and underline them in yellow and show them the number. So all the, everything we talk about, we put it right in front of them. So people are like, God, you can't deny this. It's right there. And uh, we do more of that in pandemic three, but we, um, we, we expose what's really happening. And, I won't, I, I won't give any spoilers away, but I'll say that um, what changed the direction of the narrative for me was while we were a few months into the pro project, I realized I was witnessing this birth of what I call citizen journalists. All these people waking up and average people doing their own homework and sharing information on Telegram and 
And I, I know that the experience as a public speaker, I used to go out on stage and, and I'd have my bullet points of my latest research and I'd say it out loud and people would be like, oh, really, is that real? Mm -hmm. And I can't do that anymore. Because people nod along because they know. That's all they do is they go, mm -hmm, we saw this, but did you see this? And I'm like, they're telling me stuff now. I'm like, no, I didn't see what, what happened. What, dang, you're like, they're doing deeper research than I can do now. And that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but what happens is, is because they see it sporadically. My metaphor is this. It's like, if I had a 3000 piece puzzle, I said, Kyle, here you go. Here's, check this piece out. What do you think that is? And you go, well, that looks suspect. I think I can tell what it looks like leaves and maybe some water, maybe some clouds. Ah, oh, interesting. Thank you. Boom. <laughs> and now you forget about that piece. And then somebody else goes, Hey, check this out. And you go, Oh, looks like a wheel of a car maybe. And a interesting, I can kind of imagine what that might be. Interesting. Thank you. And you forget what each piece is. You, ne you never put fully put it together. The, the great awakening is taking all the puzzle pieces and putting them together and showing everyone the big picture. And it's been very effective. People are, there's a lot of people saying it's the most important documentary ever made. There are people that are saying it's bringing their families back together because young people are watching it going, oh shit, we're in the middle of a cultural revolution and we're being turned against our families. This is what Mao Zedong did in the 60s. Oh my God, I'm being, I'm part of the mass formation. I'm hypnotized. All my friends, no wonder. All this insanity of transgender movement and all the stuff that, it suddenly has people going, what is happening in our nation? The movie makes sense of it all. You understand this is all, all calculated, all to create the division and the breakdown of everything worth living and dying for. That's ultimately what it is. And that's what <clears throat> dictators have always done is they have to divide the families. Because if you, if you ask yourself, just make a list of what, what are the top five things to you that's worth living and dying for? I'll ask you right now, what are three things that are worth living and dying for? How broad are these answers? Wife, children, their ability to determine their future, freedom, liberty, cool. I guess. Let's, let's, let's call that one thing, family. Family is one thing and their liberty. Liberty, freedom. Yeah. Um, free association, I think, their ability to meet with other people, interact mm -hmm. with them. So I'm, I'm working on a couple of them here. I wasn't prepared for an intense no, uh, follow-up, but I'm, that, I'm that's, that's all perfect, examined. perfect example for the example I want to make. Okay. So family is family under attack right now. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Is freedom under attack right now? Obviously. Yes. Is our freedom to associate with the people we want to associate with and speak freely under attack right now? I think more and more. Okay. So you ask any man, any woman, what's worth living and dying for? They'll give you their top list and you'll recognize every one of those things are under attack right now. And, and then you go, well, why? Why? Because when you strip away everything that's worth living and dying for, why do you think men have gone to battle for this country? They, go for, they, they, they fight for their country and for their family and for their life. And so why, why did the protocols affect those things? Why did it tear apart families? Why did it tell us we can talk to these people, not these people, stand at a distance? And, you know, because... Er everything, our children are, are under attack. Our families are under attack because just like Mao Zedong did, you know, they had kids so possessed by his ideologies that they celebrated when they turned in their own parents and their parents were tortured and executed. And those same people now, many of them are online. You can find them in their 80s. They're in their 80s and they're tearfully repenting, saying, you know, they'll never, ever 
could get over the fact that when they were 15 years old, they told the party to come get their mom and dad because they weren't obedient. And they celebrated when they did something so noble for their party. And when their parents were tortured, you know, force fed to death in a labor camp, they celebrated because that's how devoted they were to the party. That's how gone they were. And now they're 80 year old miserable people, the ones who haven't killed themselves, mm -hmm. realizing how far and deep in the darkness they were led. And, and so we, today we have not only kids divorcing their families, mom and dad, you're fascist. You, you don't think, you know, Leah Thompson should be destroying these women in sports. I heard what you said when you're watching the Olympics, you're fascist. I want to leave. And then ironically, you got the politicians at the same time trying to push through laws that say, if your kids want to leave or be transgender and you don't honor it, just like in California and Minnesota and whatever you, you know, yep. or you even misgender them, you call your son, you know, uh, a son when he identifies as a daughter, then it's a felony. And, or we can take your, like in, in Washington state and in parts of Oregon, we can take your children, your children can come. And we've passed a new law that says we don't have to tell you where they are. It's kidnapping. Now we get yeah. to put your children up, take them away from you, even if they're 12. And we don't have to tell you where your child is. That those laws have passed. Yep. It's happening. And 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 if that's not enough to have people go, there's some dark shit happening right now <laughs> in our lives. We need to take yeah, care of this right now. There's no way that's, around it. So that's what so, pandemic three, the Great Awakening, you, you'll so, wake up and understand what's happening. So you're stitching a lot of this this information together. People have pieces of it. They're seeing puzzle pieces. I think a lot of those puzzle pieces will be familiar. Yeah. And. Do you propose a solution that's at the end there? If people can, yes. Okay, okay. I won't. I won't ask what it is because actually it's I'm going to go months. watch it. <laughs> I will, and and I will start with number three. Is it, uh, and then work my way backwards to two and one. Is that the move? I've already seen one, that's so I guess move. it doesn't matter. Yeah. The the ending's very positive, and it and it's filled with solutions. But I'm not the guy that says, um, <clears throat> "Go here and sign this petition. Go here and do this." I'm very careful not to do that because I don't want to mislead people that I'm the next leader to follow. That's not my job. And I don't want people to follow <clears throat> anything I do. I just want to show them what's happening and to them to remember that they have a choice on how they can guide their lives. And, and so my, my, I always have people, you got to do a call to action at the end. You got to, no, I don't, I'm not going to tell people what to do. I want to reawaken their humanity and, and trust and help them remember that they can trust themselves to, to choose the right choices because they are that intelligent, that brilliant, that resilient. Um, and we have to, uh, you know, uh, wake up, return to that, you know, so we stop following the leader and thinking that someone's going to, there's some superhero going to come save us. It's never going to happen. This is the moment. We are the ones we've been waiting for, like the Hopi said. And so what I have at the end is a reminder of of what I think we've been driven to forget that if we can simply I, I say it only requires one action and I won't give it away what that action is but it's it's so simple that sometimes people miss how important it is but those who get it go wow like like I didn't think that was a big deal until I really sat with it and and realized that that is all I need to do again I won't give it away what it is but it's just I just say there's one action we must take and, um, and it's, it's, I think it's, it's more profound than it sounds, um, uh, because it's what's helped me, um, 
come out of what uh, my path was heading into a, a, a dark alley for a number of years. And, uh, and this taking this one action, kind of not through even conscious choice, but being thrust into extreme experiences being at the, which we'll maybe we'll talk about the next podcast, but you know, being at the world trade center when the nine 11 happened and the world trade center was attacked was a huge, um, turning point for me in my life of, of, uh, that kind of forced me into this action that I'm, I'm suggesting at the end of the movie that, that we need to take, um, because we've lost our humanity and, um, and humanity is, is incredible but we've been led even through biblical stories. We have to be careful with all stories that get exaggerated and that get manipulated and they get used against us. But even, even the story that has us feel like we are just these lowly sinners. And if we can just repent through this, this hellish existence on earth, we'll someday be in heaven and have a good life. Um, I personally think that's a very destructive story. And I think that it's um, um, that while there's truth and value in it, I think it gets taken too far to where we have too many people forgetting the value of this life, of God's gift of this life, of that we are made in the image and likeness of, we are that incredible. And the only way to really show your love for this benevolent, incredible creator that created you is by appreciating what was created. And that's you. And very few people appreciate what they have right now. Everybody no, wants I think something else. Everybody wants something else. Yeah. Well, uh, let me just say this. You seem to be a very hopeful person. Would that be a no. pessimistic, you think? No. Where are you? How would you describe yourself? Because the words you're saying here are both altruistic and they are very hopeful. No, uh, but but sometimes those come from really dark people too. I guess I may be one of those as well. I, I lost hope a long time ago. Okay, so what do you, what do you what do you espouse? You get up in the morning, you put your feet on the floor. What drives you? Certainty. Okay, tell me more. Hope, hope indicates things might work out. Okay, I know they will. That's it's, very that's a, that's a nuanced take on that. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll accept that. Yeah, I don't. I don't, your... I don't want to give people hope. I want to give them certainty. I want them to know that there's something divine orchestrating this entire experience, and this is what we all came here for. We're not cursed that we have to live through this. We're blessed that we get to live through this, and we get to be the generation to do something about it. And that perspective changes everything. It changes everything. Um, I'm not a big fan of hope. I know it's a, it's a viable step on the way to certainty, but I'm way past hope. That's intense. Give me a second to just breathe on that one for a moment. I wanted to ask you to look into your crystal ball and kind of give me, you said that there's going to be some tough times coming. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you imagine that either specifically or, or, or more broadly, if you would kind of your, your take on what that looks like. I know I can tell you've thought about this a lot. So. Oh, I have not, to. Yeah. It's my yeah. job. And um, it's uh, there are some, deeply wounded people and their numbers are very small. When these people talk about the 1%, they sometimes think we're up against the 1%, not even close. What 1% means is those are the people in the top earning brackets. Mm -hmm. Those aren't rich people. Aren't bad people inherently. The people that are at the helm of these agendas are way under 10,000 people strong. 
It might be closer to three, two or three. Um, I've had some very educated people tell me it's around 8,000. I don't know the exact number, and I don't think that there's any way for us to know mm -hmm. who's hidden behind the scenes of names that we'll never know. But but take that in for a moment. Let's let's give them the maximum benefit of the doubt, 10,000 of them compared to 8 billion of us. 8 billion of us. And we're afraid of them. This is such an unfair fight, it's ridiculous. If we would just get off the idea that we're powerless, if we would just get off the idea that we need other people to guide us, if we just get back to nature, to a belief in something greater than our own personas and egos, to remember what we knew as children, when everything was possible, when people were fantastic and fascinating. So these few people that have amassed some serious power because we've given it to them, and until we get that, we're, we're not going to, going to heal. We've given them power. They have not taken it. We've given it to them, and we continue to give it to them. But as we see what we just accomplished with Bud Light and Target and name all the other companies that we're destroying by simply not participating in their products anymore, billions of dollars of damage to what they care about most, which is the bottom line. Bud Light is suffering big time. They're laying off hundreds of people right now. They made one error. They crossed the line. So to Target. To the cost of billions of dollars. We could drive them out of business if we chose to. And if they make another mistake, we probably will. We can close every single franchise of Target on the planet if they continue to come after our children the way they have. We're that powerful. But it's our irresponsibility. It's our addiction to comfort and convenience that will have us continue to go to Target. My family will never step in another Target again. That's a lie. I did to use the restroom. <laughs> I'll never buy at Target again. That's fair. We're hardcore about that. Mm -hmm. you know? It's like, where's that company from? It's from China. I love Chinese people. But am I going to continue to enrich a nation that is out to destroy my nation? That's suicide. That's what that's called. That's suicide. But we do it every single day. And so these companies that were forced from the top by the World Economic Forums to play this game, one game called ESGs, Environmental Social Governance, that ultimately is a forces companies to virtue signal how woke they are. Otherwise, the deals that were made with all the central banks won't allow any investment within those companies. That's what ESG program is, mm -hmm. coercion scheme. And so, but these companies that have massive influence over the world wouldn't have massive influence if the moment we say, listen, NBA, we love black people. But I don't like Black Lives Matter. And I don't, I, don't, I don't mind saying that out loud. It's a corrupt organization that has taken most of the money from communist China and from people like George Soros, who is out to destroy our nation. And in turn, they have stolen the money. They've done nothing for the black communities except for encourage them to burn down their own neighborhoods. So why should we be afraid to say, I don't support that organization? 
We need to speak up and say it out loud. There's a vast difference between loving and supporting black people and supporting a corrupt organization that's using black people as cannon fodder. And so by giving our attention and money to these multinational corporations so they can paint Black Lives Matter on the floor of the basketball court and get everyone to kneel and, and convince everybody that they're kneeling because America is systemically oppressive and racist and they're influencing all the upcoming generations to hate their country, how do you think that's going to end? It's incredibly destructive. It's cancer. And we support it. Every time we buy a jersey, every time we tune into NBA, every time we buy a product without looking. I was so happy that last yesterday I go, honey, there's this new app that uh, our friend turned us on to. It's called Timu. Check it out. They have a, everyone using the app for the first time. That, that Let's get the boy, boys new tennis shoes. Five bucks for first-time users. She goes, that's a Chinese app, honey. I should have known that. All those products. I went, no, is it? And I went and looked and went, oh, shit. Delete. But most people are like, oh, let me just, that's a good deal. I'm not going to delete this. These, Of course. Of course China's going to sell you $5, you know, $100 sneakers for $5 to lure you into their trap and get all your data and all the other things they're doing, capturing all of our data on TikTok and all the other, other apps. But we're saving money. I just saved 45 <laughs> bucks, babe. Yeah, you sold yourself out in the meantime. That's the old fable of selling your soul. Comfort and convenience. It is. And so once we, once we say, I'm willing to, to drive out of my way to not use this convenient app, to not be, to have uncomfortable conversations, once I'm willing to get uncomfortable and inconvenient and stand strong in my conviction to only support that that is made in America, that supports the Constitution, that, that, that loves children and family that supports the things that are most important to, to me and to the values, to the foundation that this country was built upon. It takes a little more time. You have to make a list. You have to go through like we're, we're my family's making a list and going, okay, all these companies are like, shit, I drive a Jeep. Jeep played this game. Damn it. I was going to buy a new Jeep, but I can't now. <laughs> and, and that's the way you do it because yep. when they feel the wrath of the consumers, as they call us, when they go, shit, we can't play this anymore because these people are awake and aware. And when we make these moves just to flex so the central bankers will then give us their lines of credit, the public is watching and they stop buying from us. If they stop buying from us, we don't exist. Last metaphor I want to throw out at you because I have to go. They always use with the Illuminati and all these secret societies and even on our dollar bill, they use the symbol of the pyramid, with the all-seeing right. eye at the top. If that's where those 8,000 people reside, let's just say they've, they've, they've occupied the little top of that pyramid. Mm -hmm. What we have forgotten is we're the entire foundation of that damn pyramid. We walk away, there is no pyramid. That little tent that they're occupying at the top collapses. And so we have to remember that we are the bulk of the foundation of that pyramid. People have somehow, you know, it's what's at the top. This little, are you kidding me? We are the whole thing. 
We're the 99.99999% of it. When are we going to start acting like that? By every choice that we make. By not just repeating their slogans because they keep saying them on the news. Let's get smart and realize whatever they're saying on the news, truth has never been easier to find. Just tune on the news and go, what, what's Fox saying? Okay, what's CNN saying? What's MSNBC saying? Okay, that's the lie. That's <laughs> so, so clearly. It's just super easy. That's a lie. Okay, that's none of that's true. Hottest day on record. Nope, never is. Anytime they say that, never is. And if it is, it's because they have the technology to make it the hottest day on record. Yeah, or they buried it in concrete or something and they're measuring it in a new way for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Needs context. Isn't that what the fact checkers like? Needs context? Needs context, yeah. And <laughs> I'm glad you know that because most people don't know because there's some, I've had. I've talked with climatologists that will go, I've actually looked at the data and it's it's, well, of course, naturally, it really is heating up. And of course, all living life, humans are contributing to it. But what you don't know is that a lot of the thermometers that read climate were moved from natural environments to concrete jungles, to mm -hmm. rooftops of industrial parks. Well, just think about how many of them are at airports. And airports yeah. have big tarmacs and all those things totally. do is and gather so, heat and throw so it they off go, and radiate well, hold on, it, so. in 1980, it was this. And now it's, oh, it's two degrees hotter. Well, yeah, that's what happens when you put the thermometer in a concrete jungle it produces heat and retains the heat of course it's a trick we're all, you know, it's a lie you know and the worst part of it as a 20 plus year environmentalist it's taking our eye off the fact that we are polluting this planet to death and and we really are we have but why don't they just focus on pollution anymore why when i was a kid there was a whole thing about pollution the indian remember the crying indian like stop it's like that's right that we and there was smog all over the place and we had to get rid of the smog yeah but why don't they talk about that anymore because now they've made it an elusive beast that only politicians can slay with more tax it, dollars exactly when they call it pollution we go okay what's polluted our air our water our soil okay cool do we have the technology for that actually we've had it for 10 20 years mm -hmm. how much is it going to cost 50 billion Oh, so the money we just gave to Ukraine could have cleaned up our air, soil, and water. <laughs> but then you have the you have the ultimate problem that they don't want, and that is you've you've solved the problem. There's an old uh, demotivator poster I used to keep, and it just said, uh, "Consultants, you know, if you're not going to be part of the solution, there's a lot of money to be made in continuing the problem." <laughs> and That's that was idea. that was the '80s, the '90s, and the 2000s, the early 2000s, in a nutshell, in many ways, for the fraud, waste, and governmental abuse, which I saw. And the other one, which you'll love too, which is on this was on my my computer at the FBI. It just said, "Government, um, if you think we have problems, you should see our solutions." And it turns out that may not be That's the best awesome. thing to have if you work in a government <laughs> job. But, That's awesome, though. But but yeah. it is funny to put it up there, and people look at yeah. it and they go, "Hmm." And anybody who's yeah. ever worked for the government or worked for the military goes, "Like, they yeah, know. that's obviously true." They know, yeah, they all do. They should. Awesome. Look, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, tell too, people brother. where they can go and see. The, I know this movie doesn't. Uh, you could just called, stream it. I called it, your so. brother. Did you hear that? I did. I, I appreciate <laughs> that. We live we live right down the street from each other in real life, so we oh, should. Uh, and also my kids are also homeschooled. So I have taken the same sort of steps. We probably have a lot of the same ideas, I think. Uh, so I do, well, I do, do any, let's keep in touch. Um, 100%. Uh, yeah, let's keep in touch. I, I don't know if you have my cell number. I, I actually sent it to one of your team members today. So shoot me a text and, and we'll, we'll, we'll catch yeah, up we'll, in person. We'll make that happen. Sounds, Sounds good. Great, Thanks for man. spending uh, however many hours you just spent with me. I, I appreciate it. We'll probably, we'll probably break this thing up into two and let people uh, digest it a little bit at a time. 
That sounds great. Or four pieces. Sure hey, enough. Yeah. Nice communicating with you. Oh, likewise. Thanks, awesome. Mickey. Thank you, brother. You bet. All right. You've been watching The Kyle Serafin Show, normally streamed live from Liberty Hill, Texas. Today, streamed tape delayed, although taped in Liberty Hill, Texas, America. We do really appreciate all of you and your support as you watch our show. Um, please hit that like button. Please scroll on down. Click the little thumbs up. Make sure it turns green on Rumble. And if you're not watching us on Rumble, that is where the live chat is always going and bumping. Please join our community over there. Rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. And uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes, on Apple, on Spotify, and all the places. Generally speaking, you can see all of our five-star reviews on Apple. It is in the show notes. Just scroll on down just a little bit of ways. Click on that and uh, we would really appreciate it. We read them on the show live. I will read the next one as soon as we get back. And uh, as I said, we are in baby mode right here, welcoming our new daughter. So thank you so much for uh, enjoying this episode while I'm away, and I will be listening to it probably with you all. And I will be back very soon to share. In fact, probably tomorrow, you will see my smiling face unless you hear one of the other suspendables, in which case, do not be dismayed. They have the keys to the boat, and I told them they can drive it. I let uh, Steve friend and Garrett Boyle know, driving the boat, it's a little different than riding in the boat. But you might see a guest host on the Kyle Serafin Show tomorrow. Folks, thanks so much for all of your attention. We do really appreciate it. Follow Ryan Matta on social media. You can find him at Ryan Matta Media. He is our producer. He does a great job, as you can tell. Ryan Matta, M-A-T-T-A, on True Social. And a big thank you to my guest, Mickey Willis, who shared some really profound insights, I think, and some really, really beautiful thoughts. Uh, a really nice man. And you can follow him right here. That is Mickey Willis on Twitter. It's M-I-K-K-I-W-I-L-L-I-S at Mickey Willis. Or you can also find him at his his movie, the uh, Plandemic series, Plandemic 3 movie, at Plandemic 3, the number three movie on Twitter. Folks, we'll see you very soon. Thank you for enjoying this with us. And um, God bless you all. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.